Hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. Thank you for your patience. If you've been waiting around wondering where I am, it's not like me to come on late at all. In fact, I thought I had an entire hour and uh, luckily I was just joking around with Rose 777 and she said, aren't you supposed to be on with Michelle right now? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so a little bit of a panic. Welcome, Michelle. So glad to have you here. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. It's an honor, actually, to to uh, to be a guest on your show. So really glad that we were able to make it all work. And uh, here we are on a lovely day. I hope the weather is nice by you. It must be if you're out in the garden. Yeah, fantastic. I'm even planting too early, um, but I just planted things that don't mind a little cool weather like lettuce and uh, Swiss chard. So yeah, nice. we still have a couple of weeks before they recommend actually planting in this zone. And uh, that's part of the subject we're going to talk about with Michelle today, who is the creator of Michelle's Healing Home. And I had the great, great pleasure myself of receiving some of her beautiful products. So I'm going to show you, let me just uh, make my screen big and I'm going to show you these gorgeous things so I can, I have started using this. I've refrained from using the other ones because they're so beautifully wrapped. So this is a tincture. It's called Strong and Serene. And this one is made from lichen, I, I think in addition to a few other, and it was specifically for, or the thing that attracted me was that it's for lung, for the lungs, for breathing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. The lichen in there is usnea, which is known as lungs of the forest, actually. Ah. And so, yeah, it's a really wonderful um, lichen for the respiratory system, you know, and then even on a spiritual level, I had um, I had a dream the day before I was on the Interverse podcast where we've been doing the astro herbalism um, series with Kyle of Tippy Canoe and then my boyfriend Mario, Symbolic Studies, um, Gabe Slick Dissident is there and the chance, of course, as the host. Um, and I had a dream the night before we were doing um, that section where where I was going to talk about Usnia and through the dream, Usnia literally said to me, I saw Usnia on the tree and I was walking towards it. And Usnia said to me, I am the forest ether. And I was like, whoa, wow. Okay. And it was just one of those experiences. And a lot of times, a lot of things come to me through the dream realm, but that was a really great incorporation, not only into our presentation, but into my understanding of Usnia. And, and what it's all about. And I think Usnia also on a spiritual level helps somebody to see the forest through the trees sort of thing when you're looking at that sort of that, that phrase, you know, so kind of can help you calm yourself down, focus a little bit more, but um, also being able to see the bigger picture um, much more because Usnia takes such a long time to grow. And so there's a, a lot of wisdom that is stored in Usnia and it grows on trees. So it's a partner of the tree. Um, and so it's kind of picking up that wisdom of the forest as it's growing and, and just being in that presence. And so there's also some reishi mushroom in there and um, elderberry, fresh elderberry as well. So it's Very a lovely picture nice. for, um, yeah, keeping you calm, but keeping breathing open and also just stimulating the immune system in a gentle way. Amazing. I just switched around the, yeah. And it's delicious. That's another thing that some Thank people you. make. Yeah. Some people make, uh, medicines and you know, they're good for you, but, uh, I appreciate that. I enjoy the, the taste as well. So that's very good. And I'll just say hello to a few people. Uh, Bina B, hello. Nice to see you uh, from Australia. Setting your alarm. Hopefully uh, you found us here. 
and Michelle was here. That's really good. I'm glad you're here before <laughs> I was. Yeah, yeah. And Sunseed, welcome. Jenny Hi, Rachel. here. What's up, Jenny? Is Sunseed Rachel? Yes, that is Rachel. Okay, okay, fantastic. Yeah, I think we're going to be on with her on the 24th, if it's the right Rachel. Yeah. Yes, yep, yep, that's her. Yep. Okay, okay, fantastic. Jenny G's, nice to see you. And here's a Rockfin link. If anyone wants to come on, Rockfin is live there. So uh, I'm also going to take a few minutes to introduce Michelle properly. She had the, took the trouble of sending me a nice bio. And uh, so she is a medicine woman. If you haven't met her before, she calls herself a kitchen witch. I call myself a kitchen bitch, <laughs> um, homemaker and gardener with a passion for plants and their ability to heal. Uh, DIY spirit permeates her work as she encourages people to take the, their own well-being into their own hands. She offers skills through her podcast, The Healing Home, which I was on recently. That was so fun. Great conversation. Good feedback. Uh, full moon offerings, newsletters, recipes, articles, and more. She's a self-taught herbalist who studied and actively worked with herbs and plants since 2013. Much of her knowledge comes from personal hands-on experience and traditions passed down. And frankly, that has more credibility to me than any, um, you know, like book learning. It's not the that book learning isn't good, of course, but it's the hands-on actually doing it and seeing how things work out, you should have both, I guess, is a, is a better way to say it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, there is also so many, you know, teachers and herbalists that I've studied with, you know, through classes, whether it be that, you know, through classes or through their books or whatever. But yeah, you do not just like with life, you know, there's just certain things that happen in life. And, you know, we gain wisdom as we get older. Um, we gain wisdom as we go through certain experiences. And, you know, um, these sorts of skills like herbalism or garden or painting or, you know, whatever your thing is that you find yourself attracted to, we learn and we grow as we grow older, you know? And so I find that the best way to do all of this stuff, especially with working with plants is to just get out there and start sitting with them, start talking with them, try growing them and seeing their life cycle. Um, and that's just how I've learned so much is just this hands-on experience and not being afraid to, um, you know, ask a plant a question or sit with it and have a conversation. You know, that's some of, some of my greatest lessons from plants have come that way. Just like I explained the dream with Usnia, you know, Usnia just came to me. It was like, and I think it, obviously it was because I had been, you know, sitting with it, working with it. And, you know, he, I think it's a, he, I get the, I get the sense that there's a masculine energy with Usnia, um, almost like a God, a Godfather, grandfather of the forest or something. And I feel like he just wanted to tap me on the shoulder one last time before we went into that presentation. Just here's a little more insight about me and what you can share with the people, you know, in the 3D while you're explaining, you know, my medicine. So yeah, it, it's, it's been such a rewarding, just such rewarding work. And I've learned so much about myself in the process. Um, and it's just been incredible. 
That's beautiful. Can you let people know uh, where to find you, what your channels are? You have a, a good long list of them. They're in the notes below, but uh, that'll give me a minute to share this out a bit more too, since I was uh, surprised by my own timing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, no problem. So as Beth said, I'm Michelle Lundquist, and uh, I have a project called Michelle's Healing Home. You can find me uh, at michelleshealinghome.com. That's my website. There's lots of information there. I have a blog there. You can sign up for my newsletter on my website. I've got information on my consultation services there as well. Um, and then also my full moon offering newsletter is a really great way to keep up with me if you're interested in uh, finding out uh, what products I have available. And also I always try and share the recipes for what I've, what I'm sharing with people, because one of my missions with being an herbalist and a medicine woman is to teach pe other people how to do these things and to empower them to just challenge themselves to maybe start making simple things like a tincture or an oil, infused oil, or even teas, you know, all these things, you know, I just really love seeing the joy that comes over a person when they realize sort of how simple and easy it is to create some of these remedies for themselves. And then they can start providing medicine for themselves and their friends and their family and um, get a better understanding with it. So that's a big part of my work as well. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Michelle's Healing Home, where I do have the Healing Home podcast there. I also have a second podcast with my boyfriend, which is uh, called Last Thursday, which is more of like a casual flow where we both share a certain subject that we're interested in at the time. Um, and that's also on the healing home. I'm also at, um, at Michelle's healing home on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook under my name, which is Michelle Lundquist. Um, and I think that might be all for the socials. Oh, telegram. I'm also on telegram as well. It's just, uh, uh Michelle's healing home is my group. So yeah, Excellent. lots of ways to find me. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's great. I'm just copying and pasting a few of them into the chat here so that people can click right on them if they would like to. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. This is my, uh, I was on a strike with YouTube last week, so I'm back. And uh, I don't know if I'm more shadow banned than ever or if it's just a little bit of wonky timing going on here. But uh, please help us share this out. If you're listening right now, that would be fantastic. All right, so let's dive in with some questions about, sorry for all the clicking around. I'm oh, you're good. No, annoying. it's all good. I told, yeah, it's all good. No worries at all. Right on. Very yeah. Good. Yeah, so how did you get started as, a, as an herbalist? What was the turning point for you when things became, uh, it became obvious you wanted to go in that direction? Well, uh, that is a great question. Um, and, you know, I really started... A lot of it came from not only starting to learn more information about, you know, what's in certain products that I had been using pretty much my whole life, you know, run of the mill lotions and hair products and things like that, starting to learn that there's really odd, strange ingredients that really aren't that good for you. That was part of the journey there. But really, one of the bigger parts was, um, Having been a barista for a really long time, I was working in coffee shops for over a decade, kind of in that time of my life. I was about 27, I think, 
And, you know, I was starting to realize like, huh, I really don't have many goals going on, you know? So I, I, I felt like I needed to find some sort of purpose for myself. And my boyfriend was a huge catalyst in helping me with that as well, because he's always been an entrepreneur, even from a young age. And so he kind of saw me struggling in the, um, the, uh, the coffee shop nine to five sort of lifestyle, you know, paycheck to paycheck, um, just always not very happy. And he, um, kind of encouraged me to kind of just go out and find something that I would resonate with. And so one day actually he was uh, researching, um, smoking herbs. So there's certain herbs that you can roll into herbal cigarettes and combine with other herbs and stuff. And he was getting interested in that. And he learned about an herb called Damiana. And he said, hey, I'm learning about this plant. Um, I want to go get some. Do you want to go to this herb shop with me? And this was while we were still living in Portland, Oregon. And I said, oh, yeah, of course. That sounds awesome. So we walk into the herb shop. And I was just like overtaken by joy and a, a, a feeling of mystery, a feeling of resonating on a deep level that I had never really resonated with an actual like storefront before, like walking into a place and being like, whoa, I'm not really sure what this all is about, but I want to know more. And I felt this just really strong calling to um, follow whatever was going on in that herb shop. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I went back about a week later and I was just inquiring if they had classes or whatever, you know, and the woman at the counter said, well, we also have an internship program. And so with the internship program, you basically, you know, come in and you start volunteering here and there's more hands-on work and stuff. So I wrote a letter about it. I went to a meeting for it. I got selected as an intern and I started interning there. And within that time, it was only like about a six week program. Um, I just totally became enthralled and I felt like I was picking up on some sort of um, just like even a past life sort of relationship that I had with with this environment. And I, I took I took very quickly to learning about the plants and the way they set things up. You know, you would be interning and you'd be, you know, filling herb jars or filling tincture bottles or what have you. And then for a portion of your time while you were there, you got to pick out any herb and then sit with it for like a half an hour and do an herbal meditation, you know, make tea and take a break, go and sit just with that plant and focus on it. And that's where I really started realizing that there was something much deeper going on with the plants and us. And it was through those meditations that I really was just opening all these doors. And then I realized that I really wanted to pursue it. And they ended up hiring me as a staff member. And so I helped them open one of their, uh, the brand new shops that they were opening. And I worked there for a while. And then it was, it just kind of started snowballing. You know, I started my own small herbal product company, um, and then from there, I went through a lot of, um, you know, I had a lot of lessons and one of the things, and you, you might even agree with this too, but I've, I've found that owning a business is probably some of the hardest shadow work that you can do, um, because you are just confronted with so many things. And one of the biggest realizations that you have, um, is that 
ain't nobody going to do it but you. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously you might have a business where you're, you have a staff or something and people are going to help you. But when these major things come around, it's usually up to you in order to schedule that call or, or write that blog or whatever. And no one's really going to do it but you. And so I was confronted with a lot of things about myself that I hadn't confronted when I started that first herbal business. And I swear the plants were just poking me and showing me the way, you know, and through starting that first business, I learned so much about myself and kind of went through like a dark night of the soul by doing that. And, um, you know, kind of then after that period of time, I left that behind because I started feeling pigeonholed into, um, what I had called sea goat herbs. So I felt like I had so much more to offer than just being an herbalist that was going to sell petal products to people. And so through just some hard work and, and introspection and stuff, I came up with Michelle's Healing Home because I have such a passion for gardening and homesteading and being a homemaker and, you know, teaching people how to make these things. And I started teaching my own classes and this and that. And then that was the birth of Michelle's Healing Home. And that was about five years ago now. And so it's been a long time coming to get to this point. And that's why it feels so I'm so honored even to be with you here today, because to me, it's a milestone. It's a really big milestone for me to be where I'm at right now and like seeing people's interest in this, um, in, in just this work in general, not only my own, but the work of other herbalists, it's, it's heightening and it's really cool to see. And so I feel really blessed to be a part of this kind of new movement of people really wanting to tap into this work. And it's, it's uh, really rewarding, rewarding, I should say. And um, yeah, just uh, it's been a beautiful journey and I'm really looking forward to see what else the journey has in store. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. Yeah. Lots of good points in there. Um, <clears throat> it is, it is perfect timing, right? Because we're being called to new levels of self-responsibility with our health. It's not like we didn't have it before. Just, I think there was, especially Canadians had an illusion of less responsibility that they needed to take, which is a wrong, big error actually. Uh, but, you know, knowing that the future is um, somewhat uncertain, though not as uncertain as we've been led to believe, I'm actually pretty happy to be seeing through the this doomsday psyop that has, you know, historically, we've had a lot of doomsday psyops and the, it's never happened. You know, I was listening to someone yesterday and God bless them. I, I love them. But they've been telling me for five years that the reset was about to happen, about to happen, about to happen, about to happen, about to happen. And now the same thing yesterday, about to happen. And it's like, are you are you hired to say that? Or is it has it just become like it's so doomsday is so installed as a program in your mind that you don't have a way to think outside of it and you keep fooling yourself because all of those predictors I mean, that's the proof that those things just don't happen. They didn't happen. We didn't have the nuclear fallout. We didn't have all the other stuff that they threatened us with. So, and even, and people were saying, oh, well, you know, people will bring it on with their mind, but they weren't able to bring on nuclear war because there's actually no nuclear weapons. <laughs> and those kind of, for one example, anyway. Um, I also really like your point about owning a business being the biggest shadow work that you do. I always tell my clients, I don't know if you know that I coach in business as well. That was my first thing. And, um, and so I always tell my clients that, yes, 
I'm going to help you build a business and get off and, you know, get up and running and be able to have fair value in exchange for the work that you do and what you invent. But the primary thing you're doing is about being free, about detoxing the shadows. And uh, Chance is here. I'm so glad you made it. Awesome. I, I had a late message out to you, but I'm glad you, you picked that up. Howdy, Chance. <laughs> and so, yeah, you meet your demons and dragons in a way that no one else does. And there was a number of, you know, I was uh, part of a variety of different trainings and programs, and I would meet a lot of people that I really wasn't like them. I was kind of the hippie in the back room with braids or whatever, not fitting in. And they were all Gucci bags and, you know, walking all strutting their uh, their stuff and uh and while they weren't my tribe i had a lot of admiration for them they were the bravest often women just because you know i don't know why it was all women in that those days and then i worked for women for for uh, a decade myself but uh, they they were the brave ones they were they were the ones that weren't willing and they were the egoless ones too it's not that they were brave and full of themselves you can't be for the most part, if you're so arrogant, when you run a business, no one's going to love you for that. No one's, you're, it's not going to endear anyone. It's not going to be a point of, of relationship that is needed for long term. You know, it's the relationships that, that hold that <clears throat> business together over time or that service together. And uh, so it's a beautiful quality. It, it does humble you and it makes you be, tr I think, truly a servant because it's not just satisfying yourself and, oh, I get to do whatever I want all day and all that kind of stuff. It's like, not really like that. People are terrified of self-responsibility. They're terrified of that. And so many are locked into jobs as a result in a slavery situation or much greater slavery situation in a prostitution situation. I don't mean to call people out, but that is an archetype I'm going to be talking a lot about with a, an upcoming course called Primal, Primal Power. And I will say more about that later. The third thing I wanted to zero in on about what you said was homemaking, because that is uh, one of my loves. I love it more, especially the more responsibility I have, say, in my work, the more I love homemaking and almost to a point of, um, I don't know, obsession or love affair or something like, you know, manicuring my plants or my little sprouts now that I'm growing and, uh, you know, just taking care of things so I can wake up and have a nice clean space or what, what do you, do you teach about homemaking or is it just part of your thinking? I'd love to hear anything you have to say about that. Oh, and you're muted. Oh, okay. I think I'm good. Am I open now? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that is awesome. I love your points with all of this stuff. Um, because I just, before I go into the homemaking thing, I wanted to tell you that one of the things you brought up in our interview on my channel was I asked you how you stay motivated being a content creator, being a business owner and everything. And you said, being committed to my projects. I committed to this. And that was the thing. And honestly, you know, that really clicked something in me because I've just been thinking about that recently. And then looking at my past with when I found that like the first business didn't really work. There was some block, there was something going and I wasn't fully committed. And even it wasn't until like even the last like a couple years that I've really solidly committed to this project and seeing a total difference and not really even connecting that dot. 
until you really said that. So I just wanted to thank you for kind of just sharing your process and what how you've found that you stay motivated. It really just helped to click in even further for me, um, the difference and the, the attitude shift, the mindset shift that I've had uh, just over the recent years um, and moving forward and how I've seen results just in a big way by, by seeing that. And um, yeah, so you kind of just inspired me to understand it a little bit better, which is even, it's just awesome. So thank you for that. Um, and, and as far as homemaking, you know, yes, I, I do. I feel as though I want to teach some sort of course on it at some point because I find it to be, it's such an important part of our lives that I think kind of gets lost a lot of times. And I think, you know, the whole feminism movement too, or feminist movement really wiped that off the slate for women in general, because men can, men can be homemakers too. You know, there's no, there's no like gender assignment to that role, you know? And I think that, um, it's good for both for both genders to be tapped into that type of work or being okay with doing the dishes or what have you, you know, and it doesn't have to be this, this gender sexist thing, but the feminist movement really took that out of the woman's hands um, and put something else into their hands, you know, that, that led them astray from actually like our, a woman's natural inclination to nurture and to want to create a nice space, to want to welcome people, to make a space clean for themselves and their families. You know, that it's very important because I think the way a person keeps their space says a lot about them. It says a lot about where they're at emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Um, I was raised by a, a mother uh, who is a homemaker herself and was always very just, you know, not like a, a clean freak by any means, but that was one of her priorities. And I think that, you know, I used to kind of make fun. Oh, mom always has her cleaning day and everything else. So once a week, you know, my brother and I used to kind of poke fun at her. And here I am once a week, I have my cleaning day and I'm very, you know, I'm very much about it and it's not even in like a, a crazy control freak way it's just no this is nice it's the time where you get a chance to clear your space and you're clearing the energy and you're you're resetting it and it's it's really for yourself too and and for the people around you and I think it's a way to share and show love to the people that come into your home and and for yourself and and anyone else who's there and that that's very important you know it's a self-respect thing I think on a level um, and, but for me too, I, what I, one of the things I realized too, through just conversations with my boyfriend, Mario, who's always been very um, supportive in that role too. And he was like, you know, I sometimes wonder if, if women have been pressured to, you know, get out of these types of roles and step into more of like, go to the business, go to the high rise, be the CEO. And there's no reason why you can't be a CEO of your own business or, or be in a powerful role as a woman. Um, but I think that there's like some sort of shaming that goes on about, uh, you know, a woman who says, you know, I like to cook and clean and, and keep my house tidy and stuff. And, um, you know, I bumped into that too, um, as, as I was finding this out about myself and realizing that I really loved that type of work and I loved being more domestic, I would talk about this to either women my age or a boss I had at the time who, um, 
we're very discouraging about that. And we're almost kind of like, oh, no, 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 honey, you shouldn't be thinking that way. That's definitely like, you know, no, that you should you should not be thinking that. And if you're going to own a business, there's no way you can do that work and own a business. And I remember thinking, hmm. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true that you're saying that I wouldn't be able to, you know, be a homemaker and then run a business as well. It just seemed very weird. It seemed that, oh, well, now if you're going to run a business, you just have to go into this feminist mode and 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 I don't need a man sort of thing to help me or whatever. And maybe you maybe you think you don't and maybe you don't to a certain extent. But I think even on just like a... Um, Women and men, I think, need each other, whether you're in a relationship or romantic relationship or not. Men and women need each other for the balance of the universe to be complete and to be in a unity. And so when when all these gender roles and these things come up and uh, women are supposed to do this, men are supposed to do that, um, you know, it, it can be a slippery slope into things because I think there's definitely crossover in the work that a man and a woman can do and, and they can do it together. And it becomes this really beautiful act of synergy when you see it happen and instead of shaming each other um, and putting labels on what they should and shouldn't do I just think it's like we should do what we're naturally inclined to do if it's a healthy habit and that and we're seeing benefits from it then I think you should lean into that because it's probably something that's in your blood in your DNA in your ancestry that's calling to you to to explore it more and stuff. Um, and so anyway, that's kind of been my journey as a homemaker. And um, I love it. I, I think it's so fulfilling. And as you said, you know, there's something so great about being able to organize your space and um, just the satisfaction that comes from it. Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love everything that you shared there. And um, one of the big focuses that I have is the masculine feminine archetype. And uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a feminine shadow to neglect the home, to neglect the homemaking. And I agree that, you know, I end up, say, you know, fulfilling masculine roles, feminine roles, we have both of them in us, you can flow between them. But there is a more natural way to be. And so for, you know, there, there are times where my work really ramps up and I get a lot more help in, in my work and it with my home. And then I will get hungry for my home. And I will even, you know, like allow there to be a pause that I could just, that train could easily just keep going, but I'll just let it be a pause and I'll go more into self-care and home care and all of those kind of things just to nourish that more feminine side of me. Not even the thought of it. It's just like, I'm, I'm just doing it and I can observe that uh, there I go doing it. And um, yeah, so that that shadow to neglect, it's, it, it is interesting between men and women. I fully agree that life is better when we have men in our life, you know, that's why I think even traditionally, if you didn't have a brother, you didn't have a father, you didn't have a husband, then a woman, now this isn't cool, but a woman wasn't even really safe on the earth, right? They, they were, they might fall through the cracks, let's say. So that's, that's a, a dark side of the thing that otherwise would be natural, that we are meant to bond, not for credibility, not for that we somehow couldn't stand on our own, because God did give us both of the masculine and feminine but because the power is there, the, the polarity between the man and the woman, there's nothing like that. And that's why I always say they're trying to dilute both genders by getting women to be more like men, getting men to be more like women. And then all the power is, 
is basically gone or suppressed. So yeah. Um, one of the things I love about the homemaking too is hacks, because as you go through your life and there are some things that it took me, you know, I've been say in this space for about 10 years and it, it took me 10 years to figure out a couple of simple hacks or, you know, and, and, but it's so satisfying when you get them, you're like, oh, that could be easy from now on. And uh, so I have a thing about, I don't know, someday I'm going to share a bunch of my hacks just not to just die with them. And my kid doesn't really, I mean, my kid cares a little bit. He's 16 though. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, the hacks are beautiful. And uh, I've thought the same thing about sharing some of these things, which I kind of have through with the herbal medicine stuff, you know, but like when it comes to the homesteading or homemaking, there are so many little things that I have too of like, oh my goodness, this is saving so much time or, you know, what have you. Um, a lot of mine comes through cooking. Um, and I've found that organization is key when you're cooking. And um, I've thought about arranging some sort of course where I go through like my system of what I do when I'm cooking and how I've learned to save time and make it not such a stressful thing, even in terms of like cleanup and things like that. There's all these little things you can do along the way to help you um, time out your meals. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful thing to see it all work out. And it's like, wow, the timing on this is just divine. And it worked out. And here it is. And here we have this dish and we're about to sit down and it's plated. Oh, my goodness. The kitchen is clean. We're going to eat. And then, you know, what have you. And so, yeah. Um, the organization, yeah, scattered artists, there's, there's beauty in the scatter, <laughs> there's beauty in the chaos, you know, and I think that there's something to be said about that too. Um, but yeah, I've just, I've learned a, a few things along the way that have helped um, in a big way when it comes to hacking um, the system in that, in that sense. Yeah, that's beautiful. And can you lay anything on us about your um, like Cole's notes version of how you would cook with greater, is it being more methodical, like you said, planning? Yeah, you know, um, it's usually about the the prep work I've found and any you can ask any kind of like cook or chef or even like a prep cook or a line cook or something. A lot of um, your stress can come from the prep. And sometimes you don't realize like how long. OK, a recipe calls for two onions, three cloves of garlic and, you know, uh, a one inch piece of ginger all chopped fine or whatever. And what I find is making sure you have like you pull everything out that you need. And I like to put things into piles on the counter of, you know, so garlic, onion and ginger are all going to be done at once. And then you're going to have your veggies that you're going to put into the stew. And then you might have your broth and your seasonings or whatever. And literally having stations for all these things. And then having uh, containers where you're chopping everything and you're putting it in, in, into a container. So usually you can do onion, garlic and ginger all in one. So that's going to probably go all in one or you you might do your onions and then your ginger and your garlic in a separate container. And then you're going to do your veggies the same way. And then you'll prep your broth and you can literally put all the spices and things that you'll need into the liquid right away. And then you can clear your space, clean everything, and then you have everything prepped. And then I'll start to like warm the, the, the cast iron or whatever it is. And um, I think just kind of being yeah a little more methodical in the organization. And I've just seen things come together one, two, three, and mm -hmm. then you have everything organized in your vessels. So you put in, you know, what your ingredients and then you put it in the sink. And then as things are cooking, you start to clean the dishes. 
And then as you're cooking, you can continue to clean. And if there's another ingredient you need. And so it kind of just, it starts to become a flow. Um, that, and that's what I've found. And, um, not taking yourself too seriously either is always very important <laughs> with a lot of things in life, but I've found it to be, um, one of those things that you can make it easier on yourself um, because I've had a lot of, you know, friends in the past or roommates in the past where I'll cook with them and uh, bless their hearts. I've learned a lot from a lot of people that I lived with, but you know, they just wait till the end, you know, okay, you just get everything right. Everything's all over the place. And then you have a sink full of dishes and then you're going to have your dishes on top of it after you eat. And then maybe you just don't feel like doing the dishes because you just ate and who really wants to do dishes after you eat. But it kind of comes back to, um, just the not being lazy, you know, uh, caring for your space. Do you want to wake up in the morning to a sink full of overloaded dishes? Maybe some people don't mind, but I know I don't. <laughs> and so I just like always am thinking um, a little bit about the future. And I think that that that's kind of how I think about cooking as well. You know, like what are the steps that I'm going to need to take to do this meal that will make it simple and not overwhelming? And then like thinking about in my mind, like actually how it might work out. And sometimes it doesn't work out because uh, you plan God laughs sort of thing. But, you know, uh, it, it, it can it can totally work. And I think you can kind of get yourself into a mode of uh, once you start one kind of thing like that in your life, it starts to bleed over into other things that you do. So you might need to write a paper, you know, you might need to write a, a big, long essay or something like that. And um, leading up to it, instead of waiting, you know, it might be good that you sit down for even 10 minutes a day leading up to the, that day you're going to sit down and, and write your paper, you know, to just prep yourself, get little notes going and stuff. And so it's just about that, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think um, that's kind of almost like a hack for all of life in its own sorts of ways, you know. Yeah, I love that. And uh, others are reflecting that it, I call it paying it forward to myself. Ah, that, uh, yeah. What situation am I going to be in after supper when I don't want to clean? And, uh, and, and my mom taught me that to clean as I go, because it's really easy to clean something that hasn't sat there and, you know, caked over, dried up or uh, got disgusting, more disgusting than it was. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I love that. I, I think we could talk about homemaking all day, actually. Maybe we'll have to have a, a part two that will even go deeper into it. But yeah, it's, it does get, it can get a little bit obsessive compulsive. I'm noticing there's a certain like wanting to get it perfect. There's a program that I help people detox, still working on it myself. And it is that illusion that you're going to get it so perfect and everything's going to, but because the future keeps unfolding and, and uh, you know, you have so much of that feminine chaos to clean up as you go, then it can get to be where you're literally taking no rest and never being still and never going within. So uh, if that's a, a little bit of a segue to say how, if we go back to plant medicine and how that affects the emotions and the, the inner workings and state, that wasn't a very graceful segue, but it, <laughs> it there anyway. Yeah, no, it's all good. And I, just before, I do want to say one last thing quickly. Of uh, one of the motivations for me to continue to hone my craft as a homemaker is seeing the benefits it has on my boyfriend, Mario, as well, and how much it helps him. 
And then it helps him to be a step into his, his role better, which ultimately helps me. And then it becomes this thing. And to have him actually out loud acknowledge these things too, when he started realizing the benefits. And to me, then that made it even more motivating. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, that makes sense because, you know, this is how it's, it's kind of meant to go. And so that was a huge motivator for me in general when he started to, to see the, the benefits of it as well. And so anyway, um, yeah. He's lucky to have you. That's brilliant. I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. And we, I feel such, we have this, uh, the, um, the gratitude for each other in that way of just being able to see these things as we've both started to just like, yeah, really own the roles much more over the last handful of years and just seeing the results, seeing the benefits. And um, I guess that's one of the most rewarding things of it, I would say. Um, and I, I can't not talk about that when I talk about homemaking because it's so important. Um, and if you had children too, you know, you would see it in your children as well. And even if your children weren't able to acknowledge it at that time, just like you said, your son might not realize it but at some point in his life he's he's going to look back and go I remember when mom was doing that or whatever you know and so there's just so many things that you can rub off onto somebody else to help them become a better person by doing these things um it's just it, it's it's really cool to see so it really is yeah yeah and, and then and then your your mood and your attitude with it it's uh it matters a lot you know if you if you clean your home resentfully and uh, you're always feeling like put upon because there was definitely times where I was like that. You're always resenting when I was much more of a feminist resenting this, like, oh, I could be ruling the world and I'm, I'm just cleaning the litter box or I'm, you know, feeding a kid and, and wiping their nose or bum or something like that. And uh, although I, I think I, by the time I had my son, I was less so, but still detoxing from that for sure. And, uh, and now it's flipped where it's like literally a privilege. There's a, not every single time. And sometimes, you know, time is, is a, is a demon of its own, but, uh, hello, Glenn J. Nice to see you. I'm glad you're here. Chelsea Mackard as well. Welcome to the stream. Glad you guys are here. And, uh, yeah, so let's talk about, maybe we'll talk about growing first, just in general, and what that's like, I, that's how you and I got connected last year. I saw your beautiful hoops and uh, uh, climbing things for your melons. And uh, so I'm, I'm planning that. I've got my melons and you sent me beautiful seeds. Those darn things, they didn't, they didn't um, germinate, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Maybe something in the mail. They got radiated or whatever, but they Ooh, went <laughs> they went to, uh, they went, it's possible, right? Because it's, it's getting x-rayed and that kind of thing. But, uh, right. But so that was, uh, just really fun to be able to look in on you and see what you're doing because otherwise that world of growing in a vacuum is so, I don't know, it's just wrong. It's you, you, you're, I have a big question mark on my head all the time for, I don't know. I'll let you talk now. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm bummed about the seeds, but that's how it goes. Sometimes they just don't go. Um, but yeah, yeah no. I'll just quickly say that when I ordered the lichen tincture that I was showing you guys, Michelle also sent me uh, samples of her shampoo bar, if I'm getting these right, oh, yeah, and, yep. and then the soap bar as well, and a handwritten note. So just in case you don't know how special it is to get a message, uh, get a package from Michelle, then it was just lovely, like so 
not Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wrapped and beautifully done and descriptions written on the back of the, uh, of the, this one is the red clay shea soap. So then she has handwritten all of that. Like how beautiful that's, that's just, you don't find that anymore. Yeah. Thanks, Beth. I mean, it's one of the things, honestly, it sounds weird, but one of my loves is actually packaging and shipping my orders. Um, yeah, it is. It's seriously, it's therapeutic for me. I actually look forward to it. I know there's some business owners out there that shipping might be a chore or whatever. And sometimes it can feel that way, but, um, I have to give credit to a woman I worked for at an artisan soap shop for a couple years and she took so much pride in her packaging and, but we were shipping out lots of soap. You know, she was, she made really great handmade soap, Um, but, and a lot of it, and we had a lot of accounts, but she always, that was one of her main things, even the tape that went onto the outside label of the box. She just really took care and she instilled that into me. And I I find such a joy coming, you know, that comes from doing that. And so, and then hearing reviews like that and, and seeing the joy that came from you just opening the package to me, it's, that's part of what your, um, your support, that's your, your, that's part of what's going into it, you know, um, is me packaging it up and sending it off. Um, and so, yeah, thank you everybody. Cause yeah, I just, I love it. It's, it's so cool. Cause who doesn't like getting something in the mail that's like nice and it's not just thrown into a bag and yeah, Amazon style. So anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's all in love. So yeah. But in, in terms of the growing, um, oh my goodness. I mean, talk about learning about myself. I've learned so much through gardening, um, not only about plants, but through about myself, about mother nature, about her cycles, about um, patience. That's been my biggest, biggest lesson with growing and having a garden is that you can't rush it, you know, um, and you can try, but there's there'll be there'll be something that comes up to show you like, yeah, well, we maybe needed to, to take it slower or it might take longer for the seed to, to sprout than you think, you know? Um, and I've been blown away that sometimes I've planted seeds and I've thought, well, okay, not going. And I've just left it in the pot. And then lo and behold, two weeks after it should have sprouted, it, it sprouted. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that was another lesson in patience that sometimes, you know, who knows what happens, you know, there could, could have been, it could have been too cold for a couple nights or it could have been too warm or I don't know, you know, there's all sorts of different factors. Um, but back to what we were talking about in the beginning with the hands-on experience for me, growing herbs and kind of seeing them from seed to sprout, to plant, to decay, um, it, it, it seriously, it, it allows you to learn so much about the plant that you wouldn't have been able to learn had you just ordered herbs from a supplier, which is so fine too. Cause I, I definitely do that. Cause there's definitely herbs that I can't grow in my region. Cause it just isn't the right zone or whatever. And so I'd never discourage anybody from ordering herbs because it's, it's a valuable way also to learn about herbs. But if you're able to grow them, Um, You just have such a stronger connection to them from start to finish. And then if you do decide to make medicine with that plant that you grew, oh my goodness, like all of that is infused into your medicine. And so your, your everything is in that medicine and your understanding of the plant is in the medicine. And then you have the symbiotic relationship that comes between you and the plant and people who take that medicine, they can feel it. You know, Um, I can feel it when I, when I've done that 
before. And when I, I'm always just way more interested in making plant medicine with plant, with fresh plant material because of that. Um, there's a vibrancy that comes from the medicine when it's made with flat, fresh material that you don't get when it's dried. There's certain herbs that really like to actually be used when they're fresh versus dried. Um, they're more potent. The first one that comes to mind that I've talked about before is St. John's wort. Um, you know, you can definitely buy St. John's wort dried and you could put it into a tea or you could try and make a tincture, but you're never going to get that vibrant, red, potent medicine that comes from the fresh plant because the essential oils of the plant, specifically with St. John's wort, once it dries, they really diminish and they evaporate a lot. And so um, there's just certain herbs that like certain conditions and they like to be worked with in a certain way. And when you're growing them, you can actually literally ask them how they want to be prepared. And I've done that. And you can feel it when you ask them. They actually will even tell you there's certain times um, of the season when they want to be harvested, when they're more, more potent. Um, I always think of St. John's wort in this regard because it is a plant in, um, of the summer solstice. So traditionally it was actually harvested on the summer solstice. Um, and even, you know, that's when the energy of the sun, the energy, the full energy of the summer is really coming through and that, that plant is ruled by the sun. And so there's a lot of solar energy that's harnessed in that. And, um, you know, the red color that comes from the medicine when it's made fresh is actually connected to St. John the Baptist. And it's said that that red color is actually symbolic of the beheading of St. John and his actual blood. Um, and so anyway, it's there's all of these. Yeah, there's all of these folklore stories that when you start learning them and then when you start sitting with certain plants, you actually just start to see these little hints about these stories that you may have heard. And, and it's like the plant speaks to you through these stories. Um, and there's also something known as the doctrine of signatures, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but it basically is the idea in a nutshell that the plant through the shape of its growth, through its stems, through its leaf patterns, through the color of it, through where it grows, it actually helps to show you what it might be good for in your body. So that, that comes down to organ systems. Um, you know, if there is a plant that looks, the leaf looks like a lung, you know, um, like mullen, uh, typically it's a lung remedy, you know, um, same thing with the usnea, the way that it grows, it, um, it looks kind of like the inside of the bronchial system, the bronchial mm -hmm. tubes, you know? And so all of these little indications, um, literally mother nature and the plants are giving us hints as, as the plant is growing. And the more you start to connect with the plant on this level, the deeper understanding you get, and then the deeper you're able to actually cultivate relationships that that will come through in all different sorts of ways that you that you've never realized before. And, um, you know, I'm constantly learning things about plants, this, working with maybe the same plant I've worked with for years. I feel like almost every year I learn something new about it or I or I notice something about it. Right. That was always there. But just like with anything in life, sometimes you're not ready for whatever that lesson is or you weren't, you're not quite there yet and that's okay. And so things are presented to you when you're ready, as they say, you know, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher presents himself or, you know, vice versa. Um, that, that statement, um, 
is is very clear to me and stands true with so many things in life. But the plants have taught me that like in, in so many great levels. I love that. Uh, just about St. John's wort and mugwort. Is there any relationship between those two? Yeah, there is actually. So St. John the Baptist is, it's said that he would wear mugwort on his chest, like as a girdle of protection during his travels. And so mugwort too is an herb of traveling and it's an, also an herb of protection. Um, it's very protective. Um, it's protective on a lot of levels. Um, mostly like it, it's even been used in the way that um, you can give someone like a sprig of mugwort who might be going on a long journey um, as a symbol of protection and um for them to come back safely from their travels, or you could put mugwort into the shoe of someone or your own shoe. If you're, you're going journeying um, and there's an element of protection. And then as you're stepping on that herb or you're having it, uh, you're in your shoe or near you or on your person, you're literally charging that herb and that intention with every single step and every single movement on your journey. And um, there's also the element of protection that comes with it on like the astral level and in the dream realm. And, you know, a lot of people know um, mugwort as a dream time herb, which it's, it's very wonderful for. Um, and so mugwort will, it has the innate ability to just like help you slip into the astral dreamy state really easily, but it also protects you while you're there because anybody who's working with that type of energy or understands, you know, uh, working with multi-dimensions or energetic medicine or energetic things in general, a lot of times protection is very valuable because there are things, although there's all sorts of lovely, great light sort of things that come in these realms, there's also the opposite because because there's black and there's white and there's dark and there's light um, protection when you're doing these kind of more um, magical, energetic workings is very important because there are things out there that always don't have your good intentions in mind and they can use you as a conduit in all sorts of ways. And the plants um, definitely offer protection in that way. And so, yes, mugwort and St. John's wort are very much connected. And mugwort too is also known as crone wort sometimes. So she has like the wisdom of the crone. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that's part of her protection too, because she'll, she'll impart lessons um, if you ask for them or if you, you choose to work with her in certain ways. There's lots of lessons that can come through with mugwort for sure. And I find her to be one of my strongest allies, always has been, I feel always will be, I feel a very strong connection to that plant in a lot of ways. Um, and the Artemidia, now I'm not being able to say it, um, uh, Artemidus, I know, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not uh, being able to say it, but um, I'll probably... Yeah, I'll, yeah, she's basically related to Artemis, okay. <laughs> but uh, I'll probably be able to say it by the end of the show. Um, anyway, <laughs> or right after, yeah, tongue tied, but um, yes, yeah, so just so many connections, and a lot of plants. What you start to learn is a lot of plants work very well together, and some don't play as well together as, as others would, you know, just like people, yeah, yeah, personalities exactly. It's beautiful, yeah, there's a whole realm of archetypes in the plant kingdom 
that I imagine are, uh, you know, a whole world of, of exploration. I, I'm selfishly asking about mugwort uh, because I believe it, it grows really wild on the prairie here. And uh, the farm that I work at, pretty sure it's mugwort. I'll just have to look it up. And, uh, and I don't want to say the name or the disease that it's related to, but uh, it, the, the end of it is mectin. Is that not one that uh, mugwort is, is uh, oh, um, made? Maybe. Um, but it's Artemi Artemisia. Artemisia. Artemisia vulgaris oh, is the common mugwort. Um, well, I almost wonder, I feel like that might be um what is the um plant or fruit that's in um tonic water? Starts with a Q. Quinine? I think so. I think that's more related to it. Okay. Um, but but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, yeah. but there is um an antiparasitic thing with mugwort that it, it can yeah. be used to expel parasites and worms and things like that um, intestinally so there could be something related to that um, one of the main constituents in mugwort that gives it more of the psychoactive it's not like taking a psychoactive drug necessarily but that that dreaminess that that calming comes from uh, thujone uh, which is also found in wormwood which is the main ingredient in absinthe Okay. And, and, and wormwood and, um, and mugwort are in the same family for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if I'm, th I was thinking of uh, wormwood. I get, I get those ones mixed up. They're very similar. Yeah. They're, they even have a very similar leaf structure. Wormwood okay. is a little bit more like silvery, um, well, okay. a lighter green. I think that's exactly the one. Yeah. Really silvery kind of like sage does. And, uh, what would be the perfect time to harvest that one? Is it also a sun, um, plant or that one is more um moon moon based okay. so and also some people relate um mugwort to venus as well so it kind of depends you know with correspondences they kind of fluctuate uh they're you know depending on the person or their background but yeah i typically go for a monday or a moon day uh with mugwort um that that artemis connection the uh womanly connection the um and then you know some will argue well the sun is feminine and the moon is masculine could be the case yes indeed i do think that there's definitely stuff there um that you could dive in but that would be another topic um but yeah i usually like to go with either a, a monday or a friday uh moon day or venus day um i think both are really lovely for that um indeed and uh, and before it goes to seed or after it goes to seed or it doesn't matter. Um, I, I like mugwort right before it's going into flower. So as you start to see the buds of the of um, of the flowers before they open, you can also harvest it though while it's in flower. Some people like to do that too. Um, and then it all depends on what you're looking for too, because you can also use the root of mugwort. And so if you're wanting to um, you know, explore using the root medicine, you'd want to harvest the root during the fall um, or in the spring, because that's when all that energy is in the root. You know, the, the plant has yet to either in the fall, it's it's fallen back, it's kind of decaying, it's starting to go to sleep. So a lot of that energy recedes into the roots. And then in the spring for root medicine, it's like it's a reawakening and it's 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 enlivened in the roots, you know, and then it's about getting ready to shoot that energy upward. Um, and so 
with mugwort, you want to harvest. I always harvest like the, the top portions of it. So maybe like the, you know, three inches from the top down is usually what I like to go for. And so when you're um, working with a medicine that is budding, you know, look at, think of a bud. There's all this potential there. There's like tons of potential in a bud. It's all nice and tightened in there. And it's like getting ready to just open up. And so I feel like there's something to be said about the different stages of plants. And I've, I've always found that mugwort really loves that time, that, that time of, um, potential there, um, to be harvested and then turned into medicine is a really nice time. And they're all, there's different types of mugworts too. So like you said, you, you, um, yours is more silvery. So there's a couple out there that look a little more sage-like. Some of them are more scented, uh, but the Artemisia vulgaris is the most common. And if you were to buy mugwort, like in a, from a herbal supplier, you're probably going to get the, the Artemisia vulgaris, um, type because it's just so common. Very good. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Just uh, like to take advantage of what is uh, um, bountiful and, and naturally abundant because it's so easy to just like you step on it and you, you try to move it out of the way when it's in your way in the garden and, uh, you know, but how can you actually receive the abundance rather than treat it as annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing too, that I always love, um, like learning from an early, um, one of the earliest things I learned is just, um, you know, the herbs and the plants that grow around you are typically the herbs and the plants that, that, that you need in your life the most, or that want to connect with you. So you saying that there's a lot of mugwort around you, you know, that might be an, a, a really powerful ally for you. And, um, I, I really, truly believe that, that that is the case. And, you know, there's been so much talk even about herbs just spontaneously starting to grow around a person that they never planted. Um, yes, a bird could maybe bring a seed or whatever, but I think there's a deep, there's something deeper there um, that, um, that goes into something a little bit more um, of a deeper connection than just a, a bird must have, you know, dropped a seed down here. I think it's like a literally a, the plant might be beckoning you to work with it, you know. Very good. And uh, I'm inspired to ask you about nourishing herbs or, or herbs that are more commonly eaten, although every herb could I, I don't know if every herb could be eaten, but many of the ones you can eat, you can also use for medicine. And so what would you encourage someone to grow being the most nourishing herbs? Say you were limited in space and had to choose for some reason. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, my, the first one that always comes to mind when this uh, pops up is nettle, stinging nettle, mm. which de depending on your region is is probably popping up in a lot of places. It could be, could have been growing for a while. Um, but yes, that is one of the most nutrient dense herbs that you can find. Um, and I mean, I, without even listing all of the, the minerals that are in there, one of the most prevalent ones is iron. Um, and so nettle is ruled by the planet Mars, which is, which the metal connected to Mars is iron. And, um, nettle has this way of just being very, um, you know, it's stinging. So there's like this, whoom, the zing of energy. Um, and I find that like the young, fresh nettle that comes up in the spring is just like, whoo, 
it is just a shot of nutrients for you after a long winter. You know, your body is trying to maybe going to be detoxing or things like that, you know, and so you can harvest the nettle and you can turn it into all sorts of things. You know, you can make uh, nettle gnocchi from it, um, you know, the potato dumplings, uh, which is delicious. You can make nettle pesto. Nettle soup is is very common. Just having sautéed nettle with butter is is delicious, like as a side dish. Um, you know, I love nettle infusions. I love herbal infusions in general, and um, nettle is a really great one for that because an infusion is different than, than a tea in the sense that it's steeped for a longer time. So tea, herbal teas, you're usually steeping anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, but an herbal infusion, you're taking one ounce of that herb. So you would take one ounce of nettle to a, in, and put it into a quart size jar, pour boiling water over it, seal that up and allow it to steep for four to eight hours. And then you strain that out. And then you, what your result, your, the resulting liquid is just this freaking nutrient bomb really, because it's been steeping for so long. Um, and, um, a woman that people might be, for, uh, you know, want to check out, she's a seasoned herbalist, been around for a long time, but her name is Susan weed. And she's a big, um, promoter of, uh, nourishing herbal infusions. And the, the fact that, you know, you can get all the nutrients you need by drinking these infusions on a daily basis. Um, the second one that comes to mind is comfrey, um, because comfrey has so many um, beautiful healing properties to it. Um, it's known as knit bone, um, and it can really heal uh, the skin and the internal tissues. It's called knit bone because it can be used to accelerate the healing of broken or sprained bones. Um, comfrey grows very abundantly. So once you grow it, you will have it forever. Uh, sometimes people look at it as like a, a pest of a plant because it can be invasive. But as long as you are willing to split it up, you know, and, um, and move it around your garden, you know, uh, you will have just such an abundant amount of medicine that can be, that can provide you with a lot of nourishment and comfrey is another great, um, herbal infusion, uh, herb to, to use for sure. Um, and one of the cool things about comfrey is that it has this mucilogenic property when it's, uh, when it's met with water. Um, and so you can use it fresh as a spit poultice if you were to hurt yourself in the garden or something. Um, but you know, when you make the infusion of it, it makes this very, it makes more of like a thicker infusion, not in the sense that it's like hard to drink down, but you can just feel the texture of the liquid is very um, nutrient dense. And, um, it's called allantin that's in there and that that component, the only other place in the human body that that is created is within a mother's umbilical cord while she is, you know, uh, developing a baby. And so it's so nutrient dense and it helps to um, develop these, these valuable tissues that we are made of. Um, and so if you think about that, that blew my mind when I learned that a couple of years ago, just like, oh my goodness, wow. Like a mother will naturally produce what is in comfrey and that is just pretty incredible. Um, and so anyway, those are two that I would recommend if you had limited space um, that you could grow, that would be very nutrient dense. And what about all the herbs that you typically see in the grocery store, like dill and cilantro and parsley and, and those kind of things, are they like typically the, the popular ones aren't actually even really the good ones. I swear by cilantro. 
I actually have a hookup at the grocery store and before I'm able to have a little forest of cilantro in my garden, I'm praying that the seeds haven't come yet. Maybe it's patience, like he said. <laughs> uh, but so I go to my, my grocery store and I'm like, please, cilantro. And do you have it in the back all fresh? They come out with like a bushel and I leave with a bushel and I juice it and I eat it daily. And there's something, I, I know it's good for detoxing metals is one thing, like maybe the chemtrails, you can help mitigate some of those effects. <clears throat> What's yeah, your- definitely. Oh. I, yeah. The culinary herbs are just as valuable as a lot of these medicinal herbs too, because they are medicinal too. They're culinary, but they're, they're also medicinal. And so one of my favorites, my personal favorite is parsley. Mm-hmm. Um, and parsley, I think it's a bad rap. And we actually talked about this on the last interverse, but parsley kind of gets a bad rap because a lot of times it's sitting on a, a plate at a diner as a garnish, you know, and most people just toss it to the side or whatever. But I think, you know, traditionally, though, you're meant to eat that. It's like it's stimulating to the digestive system. So it's going to help just stimulate those digestive juices to help you digest that meal you're about to eat. And or if you were to eat it after the meal, it's going to help do the same thing. It freshens the breath even, you know, it has a beautiful flavor. Um, Parsley is in so many dishes, um, but just making like a parsley salad, like a which is traditionally sometimes called a tabbouleh salad. if in like Mediterranean cooking, which is, you know, parsley and tomato and lemon. And sometimes they'll put like bulgur wheat in there or they'll put quinoa or something, you know, whatever. Um, but it can literally just be turned into a salad um, and dressed up with very simple ingredients. And you're just going to really encourage the digestion that we all need a little help with sometimes, you know, um, especially if you're eating something that might have, you know, more fatty meats in it, or maybe you're not even eating meat at all, um, you know, our digestive system can always use a little boost sometimes and parsley is a really great one to do that and um you know something like oregano and you know a lot of people know the oil of oregano to help with wounds and um even just like infections or things like that that might be taking place so all of these plants too um you know, once you start really working with them, as I said before, they kind of tell you they you start all these things start to make sense as to why someone would put sage into, um, you know, lamb or something like that. You know, there's all these pairings that are very old, traditional pairings and combos that were used for a reason. And it wasn't just for flavor. It was to help the body do what it's supposed to do, which is heal and also help us assimilate the things that we're putting into it. And nowadays, you know, uh, there's all sorts of wacky foods that people are eating that, you know, are either they're GMO or they're, you know, whatever manufactured or whatever, which I wouldn't recommend. (laughs) But, you know, if you find yourself eating something like that, you know, these little tips, um, and, and spices and, and herbs can go a long way to help you with that. But even if you're eating very, very great and you're eating healthy, um, they're, they're companions for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in our winters where it's hard to get fresh produce. I mean, it's impossible actually. It all comes imported during the winter. And uh, so I was guided to eat by a friend to eat a lot of, a lot more herbs, a lot more green herbs in the winter, just because they also have a, a density to them, a, a nutrient density that, you know, you don't have to eat very much parsley before you feel full of parsley or, uh, and dill, I just started juicing at some point without any <clears throat> idea about it. I just like, I wonder if this will be good. And just, 
And uh, it's it's actually really nice. It makes me feel bright. There's something ah. bright about it. It's got a brightness. Certainly the electrolytes and the energy, you know, you get that boost from the, that and the chlorophyll at the same time. But um, but yeah, and and dill is told, I mean, it's called dill weed and it is a really uh, big weed here. You go down to the garden, everyone's beating it off and they'll bring me their bushels of wheat, of uh, dill, knowing that I like it. But uh, do you have any, do you have any take on dill at all? It's really oh. for pickles and stuff. Yeah, no, I love dill. And as, as a child, I was like averse to it or something. I, I didn't like it. You know, I, I always have memories of like uh, being at grandma's house and she made dill dip with vegetables. And for some reason, dill did not sit with me. But now I love it. It, it is. It's one of my favorite spices to have. The pickling thing is is, is one of my favorite things to do because I love pickles. Um, but yeah, and it's funny too, dill... Um, there's a, such a softness to it. So I like that you, you felt the, the, the brightness, but when I've, when I grow dill, I'm always just like kind of blown away with how gentle it is. Like it's feathery and it, it kind of like wants you to play with it or something. There's like a playfulness with dill. Um, and just the way that it grows, um, the structure of it. Um, I, I really enjoy it so much. And, you know, one of the things I was gifted one time was, um, dill pollen, uh, as a culinary um, seasoning. And um, the pollen of the dill was actually very nice and potent. Um, and it was really cool. I'd never heard of that before. But um, there's all sorts of things like that, that you start to learn about that th these plants have so many multiple different types of uses. And, um, you know, I wish I knew more of the medicinal properties of dill. I feel like I should, because I love it so much. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, I always think of it with fish as well. And so um, there's a freshness to it that you can't find in any other any other plant, I think, that is quite like it, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a, a staple for my ancestors in the from the Slavic traditions in Russia and the Ukraine and Poland. And uh, yeah, they love their dill, like anything. So uh, yeah, Comfrey, Braden is just saying, Comfrey makes an incredible layer for garden beds, nice slimy layer for worms and, and buddies to thrive. And that would that be as a compost, like de like dried Comfrey that gets gelatinous when you wet it or? Well, I bet. And what's up, Braden? He's a great, he's a great guy too. Um, yeah. Well, I would say too, probably fresh because even when the Comfrey, if you work with Comfrey and you like harvest the leaves, you cut it, um, it almost right away is it's, it's putting out water and it's putting out that like kind of mucilogenic slimy um, substance that I was talking about. And that's why it's so valuable for first aid, especially if you're using it fresh. So what I've done is if, you know, you're cutting back your comfrey, sometimes the leaves kind of are wilting or whatever, um, cut that back and just chop it up and put it right into the compost. Or yes, you could just like literally put it right into your garden beds. I typically find using it as compost, but one thing you can do with comfrey and nettle um, is make like kind of like a compost tea with it. Um, that's another thing I learned from Susan Weed um, years ago, but like she has like a big rain barrel where she'll put like her spent um, herbal infusion, um, you know, herbs that she's already infused and then you compost that, um, but putting it into kind of like a compost tea that literally ferments and then you can add that to the garden. Um, but yeah, the comfrey does make a really nice layer and it does, it, even if it's, if it was dry and once it gets wet, it is still going to bring out that mucilage, 
that that's nice slimy um, substance for the garden and, and that the worms will love. So that's a really great point. Very good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of nettle. I've used that for a lot of years and uh, it's a, a beautiful, like my favorite way to use it is in a broth to to bring up the, I guess, mineral content. I'm just guessing around that. So yeah, yeah, really good ones. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I could uh, pick your brain for a long time on that subject alone as well. And, uh, but I would like to go on and talk about, <clears throat> we, we did talk a little bit about the empowerment of making your own medicines and you teach people to do that. Did you say you've got courses or? Um, I was for a while, you know, and then the whole, uh, 2020 happened and I kind of like stepped away from that. And that's when I started to reevaluate what was going on. Um, and we ended up, you know, doing a whole big move out of the city during that year. And, uh, you know, for all the craziness that was going on, it was actually a really great year for us because there were so many wonderful things that um, were catalysts um, for change. And so I have not yet started up classes again, but I am planning on doing so. Um, and so I mostly right now am trying to teach people through my newsletter by sharing recipes. That's my biggest thing. So always kind of like, I, I understand that there's, uh, you know, people that will want to buy products. Yes, totally. Great white flight of 2020. That's right, man. But I'll say, you know, before that, we had been talking about getting out of the city for a good three years. And it was like, as when all that stuff started happening, it was like, okay, the fires are lit. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that was, that was great. Um, but it did, it kind of brought a, an end to, um, my teaching of classes. Cause I was having people at our house and I was like, you know, I am not going to be following these protocols or what have you, what they're, what people are going to probably require of me, especially living in a city like Portland, Oregon, that is very much just very, into it. So I took a hiatus from that. But um, yeah, right now, just sharing recipes through the uh, newsletter and my blog, um, also doing consultations. So one of my things with consultations, um, it I like to offer consultations for people who are wanting to learn things. So like literally having a one on one session with me, let's say you want to learn how to make soap, we can have like a one-on-one -on -one session where we, I will like tailor it to your needs of what you're wanting to do and um, kind of have, yeah, a very personal class um, is kind of where I'm going right now and have been going for the past about six months or so. I've been offering that service and that's really great because then it's, it's an opportunity for someone to ask me more specific questions or what have you. Um, but yeah, I think just sharing the information and sharing the uh, way that I do things is probably one of the um, most fulfilling things that I've been sharing with people because yeah, like I said, seeing a person light up and go, Oh my gosh, I can just take olive oil and a plant and put it together. And it makes an, makes a great oil for my skin. Whoa. You know? And so that, that to me brings so much joy. Um, and then comes along with the empowerment part of it, because then that person probably is going to go on and, and try that. And just even on my telegram channel, uh, the amount of people that are wanting to really get into, um, herbal medicine, didn't know where to start, but just through kind of being in the telegram chat and then people are posting, Oh, I made my first dandelion leaf tincture, you know, just things like that. You know, that that's where I feel like my 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 strengths are is kind of in the herbalism 101 sort of stuff, um, really helping people that don't know where to start. They want to start. Um, but 
and they're ready. You know, um, that, that to me is kind of where I really like to reside, um, in, in that, that role as a teacher for sure. That's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I mean, it's lovely to be able to order stuff from you, but, uh, we might not always have that access or, you know, so, so having the know-how yourself is, is really beautiful, especially if you like that kind of stuff, which I do. I could tinker all day that way. And, uh, hello, warrior rising. I think that's Max it says doctors are men who prescribe medicines of which they know little to cure diseases of which they know less in human beings of which they know little. Yeah. So that's very wise and maybe a good uh, way to open up talking about, you know, the allopathic systems versus, uh, the, the natural systems of healing and, you know, in, in, I have to imagine that the vast majority of people that are going to be seeing this are already more, much more on side with that. And then if you weren't already on side with that, the last three years probably cured you of a lot of your attachment to allopathic medicine. I know like, um, you know, I could finally go in a hospital now. I, I could finally do that without a fight, but, uh, I don't want to, I, you know, <laughs> nothing can make me, I, I survived cancer and not, not a lot has killed me. And, you know, I've, I've gained a lot of knowledge as I've, as I've come along. So how do you look at that subject right now? Are there ways to help people to get off of allopathic medicine? Some people feel stuck on certain medications, for example, I, I know that's really individualistic, but uh, anything you want to share on this subject, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, it's a, pa it's a passion of mine, this subject, because, um, you know, what I, what I typically find is that there's like this window of time that if you're in the allopathic system, there's a window of time where you have one foot in and one foot out. So if you've maybe gone and, and gotten something looked at or whatever, and you haven't really fully gone on board with what the um, practitioner is, is offering and you're, you're questioning things. I think that's a really good place for somebody to be able to make the decision to not, to, to not choose allopathy, because I think that there's a fine line. Um, if you've gone, you're, you're like gone too far into it. It's not to say that you can never get off of some of these pharmaceuticals, but the way that it works and how unfortunate it is, is that they just continue to offer more and more and more of these synthetic medicines that are literally based on the plants, um, that you get like kind of stuck in it. And it's, it's really interesting to see that happen. And it's sad too. But one of the things that I've found is the, one of the easiest ways to get through to people about with herbal medicine, um, in my experience is through, um, helping them deal with pain, um, in terms like physical pain, even emotional pain, but, um, physical pain, obviously who wants to be in pain? Nobody. Um, a lot of people are in pain. A lot of people have chronic issues and, you know, this could open up a whole rabbit hole of how I feel like our emotions and our mindset actually have a lot more to do with our, our physical conditions than most people think. Um, but you know, I've just gotten so much, so much success, even with my family who, you know, are definitely not as into the herbal stuff as I am, but through my dad having knee pain and sending him a salve I've made specifically for pain reduction, redu reduction of inflammation or whatever, and it working. And then him going, Oh, cool. 
well, what else do you make? And that's literally been the catalyst for so many people that I know. Um, and, and, and usually, yeah, it has to do with pain. Um, and then I've even gone, you can take it a step further and helping people getting through emotional pain using herbs, um, specifically flower essences and gem essences, which is a totally, again, we could talk, uh, you know, for a while on that as well, but seeing, um, seeing profound results with, um, herbs dealing with, you know, difficult matters of emotions, helping to bring emotions to the surface so that you can actually process them instead of stuffing them down. As we know what allopathy does, it's a bandaid. It's not, it's not getting to the root. They're not asking the hard questions. They're not asking the right questions. Um, they're not even educated to ask those questions. Um, so, you know, I think that there's a, there's an empowerment that comes from that, but it's, it's like a thin line, as I was saying, because there's so many people that are looking for a quick fix or they're in a victim mindset thinking that it's somebody else's fault while, why they're in the situation they're in, but they just continuously are going back to these doctors and looking at them like messiahs, basically, like they're going to fix everything or, you know, someone else is going to take care of it. Um, that's what they're paid for, right? Someone's paid to do this, right? You know, it's like, well, you know, I guess you could look at it that way, but your health is like your greatest gift. And so I feel like with herbs too, it's, um, you know, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, it's all about prevention. It's all about just like taking the accountability before things get bad, <laughs> before something pops up, always trying to keep your body, your mind, your spirit in a place of health, um, as healthy as you can be so that you can avoid a lot of things like this. And um, I have to just shout her out because I know that you two have had shows together and your friends, but Amanda Vollmer has taught me so much along the lines of this. And mm -hmm. Um, she is such an inspiration to me and I've learned a lot from her um, and just the way that she looks at health and um, her book is amazing, you know, Healing with DMSO. And so I've learned a, a ton through her and the way that she approaches health. And um, I just think that people are afraid to break habits that they've been you know, in for their whole lives. And so they're not understanding that we have all the power within us to heal and that like, we're literally probably, um, deficient in nutrients. And that's a lot of ailments that can be fixed very quickly, actually within weeks, if you start to really pay attention to what you're eating and introducing nutrients that, um, you maybe have been depleted in, um, you know, she's kind of like taught me and, and showed me that, that sort of stream of things in a way that, um, you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about. And so I think that it all really just comes down to personal responsibility and how willing somebody is, um, but like, yeah, I mean, sometimes giving something the most, somebody, the most simple thing that you don't think is going to do there, that they're not going to care about it is the, the light bulb that goes off to realize that, wow, plants actually do work. And it's not just, um, you know, pseudoscience or whatever. Yeah. I, uh, after studying the law so much in the last three years, not to say I'm an expert at all, but I did start to see the parallel where, you know, you get small signs of, you know, dehydration, discomfort, maybe irritation. What You get small signs about things aren't quite balanced and it's time to eat salad again and uh, <laughs> or cook at home for a change if, there, if there's been a lot of eating out. 
And, uh, and then, so if you miss those small signs, then the signs get bigger. And to me, the metaphor was that you don't have to bring all your matters to court. In fact, you shouldn't bring all your matters to court because they're going to smash you in there. That's what the Bible says. Settle with your brother on the way to court. And most people don't quote this part. It's, it says, because they'll smash you in there. That's my paraphrase, but yeah, yeah. So that's once, once the body has the matter in hand, then it's not really a pleasant situation. It could be, it could feel like you are totally, you know, like when I got sick with cancer, I had to um, stop everything. Absolutely. Like nothing else could go on. That was my full-time project for three years. And I didn't know if I was going to be successful or not. Right. So that's, you, that, then, then you've got a whole different level of, you got the judge and you got the jury, or I don't know how, how deep this metaphor can go at all. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, if you try to, and this was one of my wake-ups of trying to use herbal medicine to heal something that had already gone to that level. And, and then it can easily feel like it doesn't work, although I believed in it and, and it didn't work. So that was interesting how, you know, people always say belief is so powerful. I'm like, no, it's reality is powerful. Let's, let's get down with reality. <laughs> Come on. And, uh, your belief, influences yes to a certain degree but I, I don't I don't think it's everything lots of things I didn't expect or believe would work did and vice versa right so then um, yeah it's just beautiful to think in terms of prevention and subtle the subtle signs listening to those not allowing there to be you know these massive dips where you go down and then you start pulling yourself up and uh, a big part of that can be for sure the mental capacity, because you might very well know the food to eat and you, and you know the thing to do for yourself, but you're not doing it. And that's where, you know, then, then not then, but that's where I focus more on the work of, of the deprogramming. But I, I definitely understand how everything can work both directions, right? So you can approach a physical problem from the mental, emotional, spiritual side and have breakthroughs on the physical, and then you can approach it physically and have breakthroughs mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Just the transformation to me is the question because you can feel better, you can release your pain, you can, um, you know, have more energy, less symptoms. But has the healing actually happened? Has the transformation, meaning that you're not just a pattern waiting to happen again? So that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, that I love I love that thought, because you're totally right. You know, you approach something on the physical level, and it will probably then approach something on the emotional level and vice versa. And that that's what I find. That's why I find plants to be so valuable in this sense, because unlike a lot of allopathic medicine that usually numbs you or takes you to a different realm or it kind of like um, just eliminates something altogether, um, which might seem like what you want in the moment. Um, you know, a lot of times what can happen with herbs is that you're taking an herb for, for something or whatever, and your symptoms or your, the effects of what's going on actually might increase. Like something might get worse for a second, you know, and then all of a sudden it starts to clear up. It's yeah. almost like, cause the herb is kind of like bringing all the attention there on like an energetic, spiritual, physical level as well. Um, that it, it, it might just like, really amplify everything that was going on, you know, and then all of a sudden it clears up. And, and that's something really cool too, because what 2020 also taught me was 
I, I had to step back and reevaluate the way I even looked at herbs and the language I used with them. Anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, anti-anti-anti. And I know there's been a handful of other people I've talked to about this. And I've even still working on that, you know, of just like reevaluating the way I look at it. Because what that helped me to realize too, and then looking into terrain theory and German new medicine. And I had been looking into German new medicine years before all that stuff started happening because I luckily have a friend who is very well versed in it. And so when all this stuff started bubbling up, I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go. And then it literally made me reevaluate my relationship with herbs and ask how what the herbs are actually doing. What what is making them work? And I stepped back and was like, man, I feel as though what the herbs are actually doing is they're coming in and they're just stimulating the organ system that needs to be stimulated in order for you to heal. Because I'm a true believer that our bodies are built to heal and that sometimes they just need a little boost. And the plants literally will come in and, and say, boost your respiratory system to start stimulating the healing that has to happen to stimulate, then, then in turn stimulate your liver to start producing what needs to happen for the detox to start happening. And it just kind of like opened up this whole new understanding of plants to me on a different level. And I think it was really valuable for me to have that experience and to be able to like take a step back and just be like, well, wait a second. Now all learning all of this stuff and seeing this all happen, I have to reevaluate then how I've been taught or how I've learned in the past with this stuff. Um, because there is a way of looking at looking and using herbs more allopathically. And it's more of like a heroic sort of tradition of like using a lot, blasting something with something just to get rid of it. And it's like, I don't think that the herbs actually necessarily want to be used that way it's more of a gentle sort of sometimes slower progression but you can also take something that works very quickly as well um and i just depend i just think it depends on all sorts of factors you know because we're all different too um so anyway just wanted to make sure to include that too because um i think that the herbs want us to constantly reevaluate you know, our relationship with them, just like we should reevaluate our relationship with every, with self, with you, with your partner, with your friends, with your family, you know, um, anyway, you know, there's just constant attention needs to be placed on certain things. Um, and I think that's really valuable. Yeah. Beautiful. I love all of that. And it's so in alignment and I probably said it on your podcast too, that I didn't know how to heal from cancer, but, uh, some extra energy did. Right. right. And, and, and there are a variety of ways to get that extra energy. That's to me why the deprogramming is so important because we spend energy running programs and, and especially suppressing programs that that's a high cost. And that's the reason that to me, why, you know, a lot of emotional holdings can end up being um, a detriment to your own health. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to look at it. And one of my big mistakes with cancer was slamming it with herbs. Mm right? Like boom, 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 like this, just, just like, a, like a hammer. And there you can, I think you can have some short-term good effects, but don't think you're going to be doing that for the long run. And I actually got myself into trouble with certain ones, not understanding what I was doing with the volume of it, right? So it's, um, yeah, yeah, I, I totally hear that. You know, you it really was just all oh, herbs, whether you got a pill or herbs, you, you've got the same mentality. And uh, so that's very enlightening what you're saying there. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a good lesson to learn. And it's just a good uh, it's like the the herbs like sometimes put you in your place that way. Like the lesson is is that the the slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. Um, yeah, because who who hasn't found themselves in that position? Oh, I feel something coming on. Something's coming on, you know, so I slam a bunch of, you know, whatever it is. And and sometimes it works, you know, sometimes it works great and whatever. But um yeah, it's, it's, it, again, it's, yeah, it's about being gentle and tuning in and listening. Like we we're talking about listening to what your body is saying. Why do I feel off today? What's going on? Instead of just, you know, drinking the five cups of coffee to, to not feel out of it. Like maybe think about that before do some muscle testing or, you know, really check in with what your body is wanting to tell you. Um, and, and, and also not going into a place of fear when something comes up, you know, okay, something's off. You know, a lot of times most people go right into fear and thinking, well, something's wrong. It's always the worst case scenario or, you know, whatever. And I think that too, looking at our bodies of like, there's actually nothing wrong with you. It, it everything is as it should be. Um, it's just, that you're supposed to be taking a little bit more time to consider something right now um, than you maybe were. And that that's what that little nod is. It's not to, to make you scared or think that something's wrong with you. With you. Um, it's just to pay attention more. Right, exactly. It's trying to capture your attention. And then we have the psyop of like, oh, don't pay attention to it. You're making it stronger, bigger, more powerful. And it's the opposite that it's crying for your attention. It needs your attention. Your attention is the elixir, or at least the beginning of the cure. The symptom itself is the cure. You know, that was, uh, it took me until 2023 to see how cancer, I could see that through a lot of different, um, diseases but this one for some reason you know we the brainwashing i shouldn't say that word the c word uh is um it, you know it's treated to be the enemy within of course and it, it you know but it really is working for you in the whole you know model of terrain you can see how it, it was obvious that it would take a tumor it would it would put it would put the poison off in some place that was safer for the rest of my body and could slowly work on the project of, of detoxing that if I didn't come and interfere. So yeah, it's, it's such a different thing where any, any so-called disease that comes up, it's just, it's really a question of attention. I, I think you nailed it right there. Yeah, I, I really think so as well. And so it's really cool that you've had these experiences in your own life to be able to see it too. And then you get this validation as well, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, it just, it, it, as we were saying, even before with like homemaking stuff and stuff, when you start getting these sorts of lessons, you can not only apply them to your health, but you apply them to other ways of life, other things that you do. And that, that's the goal. I think that's one of the, our purposes here is to, you know, learn a lesson through, you know, something you learn the lesson through a, and then you've, then you can apply it to B, C and D and you see, the just the reward of being able to do it and then why one lesson is like multiple there's like multiple facets to it and um yeah i just think that's one of our our missions here as people uh in this realm is to kind of like find out these little life hacks like that and it greatly simplifies that to me is the constant work that i'm doing is how can i take what 
in reality is a complex situation, maybe in somebody's life or in somebody's thoughts or, or feelings or the, the way that the, their thoughts and feelings have played out in their life. And then if you can start to narrow it down, if you don't mind, I'll segue to talking about primal power that's coming up, the, um, the five archetypes. I just want to make sure I let people know because I made the page live yesterday so you can officially sign up for the primal power com course coming up. And it really is about simplifying the work so you're not just hitting some wall of stuckness well i don't feel well or relationship isn't going good i can't get a um you know do the work that i want to do i was going to say job no don't don't do that if you don't have a job don't get one <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know so then that simplification allows you to do the work because if you if you just have confusion then you're always going to for one reason or another you have no point of entry and, uh, and so this is an opportunity to get in. Now, the very specific focus of this primal power, which I will say more about in, in future streams, is the private domain. This is the place where organic growth happens, where uh, life can take its course, where it favors life over the inanimate public. Now, we don't want to kill the public either. So there's a lot of detoxing to be done with these five archetypes of the, the child, the victim, the prostitute, the saboteur, and then the masculine feminine. We actually talked about quite a bit at the beginning of this conversation. It's so incredibly relevant to almost everything in life. And uh, so it's coming up May 29th. I will share a link below. And uh, if anybody wants to join up before May 22nd, there are some savings. For anyone who is a House of Free Will member, there are also extra special savings for that. And uh if you have time, do you want to look at a few comments in the uh, in the chat, and then I'll get you to retell people how to take you up on all of your offerings. So, hello, smiling sun, nice to see you. Worth mentioning, fasting is detox, cleanse, and reset. Are you a fan of of fasting? I am actually. I definitely. I just saw that pop up. I'm like, yep, that's a great point because it is. And uh, yeah, oh my goodness, the results that I've gotten from fasting, you know, even if it's a 24 hour fast or a long term fast, 72 hours or longer, um, the balance that's come from fasting for me um, really, really has opened my eyes to that whole world. And yeah, I definitely agree that it is um, very valuable, and everybody should should challenge themselves to try to try. It, it, to some degree. Exactly. Sure. I, I practice intermittent fasting. So I, I just don't eat for the most part of the day it could be four or five o'clock before I even start to snack. And I find it really changed things for my sleep and it changed things for my ability to handle, say, if I, if I had not the best food, my body can deal with it given enough time and non-interference with other foods. Right? Yes. So it, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And uh, Warrior Rising said, lived on the land for a year in um, BC, 110 herbs, gardens, fruits, strange mother tree of all others called Meddler. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. Harvested in late fall. No, so, I haven't heard of that. Okay. Okay. No worries. That's interesting. That's um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oops. Looks like snake and where you're rising, you're talking about inflammation, which do you agree with that, that most problems can be rooted down to that, inflammation, yeah. which, which is a cure of its own, but 
I'll let you finish that sentence. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I've found that it's usually inflammation based. Uh, a lot of things are. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, in, we live in a society that kind of almost like <laughs> subliminally promotes inflammation just through the things that are available to people because yeah, inflammation is huge. You know, it can be an inflamed muscle or it can be an inflamed whatever, but you can be inflamed inside uh, by just the uh, thoughts you even have, but mostly like what you're putting in your body um, for sure. And um, you know, I, for a long time in my younger years, not like I'm old or anything, you know, I'm only 39 years old, but um, you know, uh, probably over a decade ago, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of like the alkaline diet, you know, and kind of went more onto a vegan diet uh, and all that, which I'm not on anymore. But I found there were some really great benefits. And I think things like that, like, alkal the, like alkaline diets or all that stuff, I'm not a promoter of diets in general, because I think that there's folly in, you know, really... Um, just being hardcore on something like that. Um, and I think that there's something to be said about um, like the, what restriction does to a person and like your mentality and uh, your mental health even, and how you like view certain things. Um, and it's not to say that you shouldn't have restriction in life. Um, but I just think that it, there's like a thin line between like a healthy relationship with restriction versus allowing yourself a little bit of breathing room. Like you said, if you happen to have something that didn't agree with you or it wasn't the best food, it's not about beating yourself up about it and being guilty about it. Cause that just like perpetuates the bad feelings you're going to have. It's more about realizing you did that, accepting it, and then maybe laying off some food for the next 12 hours and allowing your body to just process it. Um, but yeah, um, alkalinity and inflammation and all that stuff is, is very important. Um, and then there's some people too that have like body types or like there's things that go on. Like if you've ever had your blood tested by like a doctor, there's certain things like some people are even more inflamed, like in general. And so there's like things you can be doing on different levels, um, herbal things too, um, that you can help reduce inflammation, um, in that way. So there's all sorts of factors too. And I don't claim to be an expert at all <laughs> on any of this stuff, but yeah, inter intermittent fasting is a way of life and, and, and fasting will reduce inflammation. Like, psh big time. I mean, if you're, if you are having inflammation issues, the first thing I would even recommend is, uh, is fasting for sure. There you go. Animals know it, right? The, the moment that, uh, one of my cats or an animal in, in the wild is, is sick. The, the first thing they do is not eat. Same yeah. with a young child. You're trying to like eat, eat, eat. And they're like, Ugh. they just know, you know it. And then, but we have, who have developed, programs and maybe addictions and all of those kind of things might eat through those things. We were told brainwashed with the, the three meals a day, kind of a psyop. I, I eat one meal a day and I almost feel like I'm eating too much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I yeah. totally, we started adapting that a while ago where I'm just like, yeah. And fasting taught me that that was one of the things I realized with fasting. When I did my first 72 hour fast, mm -hmm. I was just like with each hour that went by, I got calmer and calmer 
and calmer. And I just, you know, you had that big realization too, or the epiphany of like, oh my God, we are programmed so much to eat way more food than we need. And I find that be- I find I feel better when I'm eating about one meal a day, or I wait until about noon to eat and I stop eating. I don't eat anything after like 8pm. And I that that's like a rule for me, you know, unless there's like a, there's some circumstance or whatever. But one of my rules is nothing after 8pm. And then I usually don't eat until about 11 or noon, again, depending on what's yeah. going on. But I think that having the self-control is what's the hardest thing for a lot of people to adapt some of these new habits or change habits. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's self-control and discipline, which is going to be one of your bigger um, catalysts to healing in general. Um, because like you said earlier, it's like people, a lot of people know all the right things, but they're just not doing it. And so that's where the self-control and discipline comes in, which is a hard one for a lot of people. Right. And to me, that's where the deprogramming comes in because you can't just fight against that stream all the time. You're going to lose at some point, right? If you're always working against an inner resistance, then you have to pour a lot of energy into that. And in a weak moment, it won't be, it won't be there for you. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm a broken record. I keep like, I've got Tourette syndrome or something. (laughs) (laughs) That in controlled up. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Well, I would love you to reshare about your work. I'm going to, I'm going to pop a few more links into the chat for anyone who wasn't here at the time. And uh, we're definitely going to share this out more after. So here's your Patreon. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yes. So uh, people can find me the website on the screen, michelleshealinghome.com. Definitely. Um, And one thing to mention is that, uh, yeah, my Patreon page is growing, which I'm very grateful for. So it's been really nice to see more people coming over there because I do share exclusive recipes there. And then I also, uh, with my full moon offering released on each full moon, all the patrons that are signed up, they get the release one day early. So um, because I work in such small batches, um, like for example, this month's offering is my CBD cannabis root and white willow bark salve. And I only made eight of those. So it's such a small batch that if somebody wants to get to make sure that they can get something, uh, being a patron is a really great way to make sure you can like lock something in like that. Um, and I do not have an online store at the moment. I really like doing direct sales. So if you're interested in any products or what have you, um, Michelle's healing home at gmail.com is the best way to place orders or find out what's going on. Ask me questions, um, all of those sorts of good things. Um, and again, uh, as I said, the healing home on YouTube, um, I'm also now on Spotify, which is really cool. And I did apply for a Rockfin. um, account. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully that goes through as well because I would like to, um, be on Rockfin at some point so that I can maybe, you know, offer a little bit more controversial things on, um, on Rockfin where you can speak a little more freely as you know, as you've just gotten out of YouTube jail. (laughs) So, um, anyway, yeah. Um, but Michelle's healing home on Instagram as well. You'll find me there too. Okay, fantastic. That's great. And uh, can you take one more question before we yeah. start to close off? Okay, sure, so sure. Uh, Warrior Rising is asking about microdosing. Do you have any? Mm. That we haven't broached that subject at all. But. Yeah, well, that's a good question. You know, I do have some experience with it just on my own level, like doing it myself, but I can't speak on, um, you know, 
the measurements that might be good for a person or what have you. But I will say microdosing. I, my, the first thing that I go to is, is mushrooms. That's the first place when I hear microdosing, I, I, that's what I think of. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I can speak on is the microdosing of medicinal plants. Um, because what I've found and, um, what I do personally and what I suggest to a lot of people I work with is the microdosing of something, say like rose, um, like where you're taking drop doses of tinctures in, in, um, instead of a dropper full or two dropper fulls. Mm. Um, and I've I had like this. You can. Yes. If you're wanting to work more on like an energetic level, that's where the drop doses come in really strong. Um, and I've had really great success personally and with others working with drop doses uh, when you're processing trauma or hard emotions, something like that, because the whole concept of less is more really comes into play. And um, so that goes along with the microdosing. So I usually, if I'm working with somebody or myself and you're going through a challenging time or there's a lot of emotions, obviously you can match up you know, the remedy for what you're working with, but trying just taking one drop and seeing what happens. And I've had profound experiences where emotions erupt and I'm sobbing or whatever from one drop of rose tincture or rose elixir or whatever I was working with. But because um, that and that's more of like the homeopathic side of medicine, you know, using it's like you're using these diluted doses. That's why I love flower essences so much, because it's it's really in the same vein as homeopathic medicine, where you're making a mother essence and then you're, you know, diluting it further um, and into a dosage bottle. And then from the dosage bottle, you're using, you know, a small amount of drops into a bigger vessel. And what you really have is just this highly diluted essence that actually becomes more potent as you dilute it, which is really interesting. And that's one of the things I love about that kind of concept. So that's a great question because um, you don't, you know, uh, microdosing isn't just for psychedelic mushrooms. It's, it's can be used in all sorts of um, in all sorts of ways for sure. Nice, nice. And I can't resist. Do you consider psychedelics to be medicinal at any level? I do. Yeah, I definitely do. And I've, I've known for me, um, it's helped me process lots of things or, you know, a lot of the things I always hear about with microdosing mushrooms um, is the, you know, the effects on depression and anxiety and it really helping a lot of people. Um, and we, I have a really good buddy who was microdosing for months and just realizing like the energy that came from it and like not even realizing actually maybe how, um, how much of a, not even in a depression, but didn't re you know, you sometimes don't realize certain things until you do try something that like, Oh, wow, maybe I was a little bit, you know, not, not, uh, maybe I was more anxious than I actually thought, you know, because anxiety comes out in all sorts of ways. It's not just feeling, you know, um, a certain way, like your heart flutters. It's like anxiety can come out in the way that you carry yourself in the world and you don't even realize it. And a lot of people sometimes don't have 
other people around them that might be able to observe a pattern and, and point something out, or they might be around people that might not have the courage to say, you know, I noticed this something that this is something you do, and maybe you could try this in order to calm the anxiety that you even carry your in your face. You know, that's been a part something for me that I've always worked with with carrying your emotions on your face and not realizing that you're doing it and that your anxiety is coming through your body language in ways that you didn't realize and something like microdosing actually maybe bringing that to the surface bringing it to your attention so that you can kind of you know start to work with those things a little more easily um, is something that I find valuable with microdosing for sure mm -hmm. right on yeah I left the psychedelics behind for any um, entertainment purposes as a, as a young adult, thank God <laughs> had a trip to end all trips, but I have used it as a, you know, way to journey, a way to go inside when I was really stuck to, to see what I couldn't see, like you exactly said, to bring up to the surface. I, yeah. still, I, I feel like I'm done. Maybe I'll go back at some point, but I feel like I got all the lessons that were there because I, I kept getting the repeat, the repeat same lesson over and over and over. And I'm like, okay, I mean, it's, I, I just have to use the knowledge here. I don't right. use the medicine. I got the medicine. I keep getting the medicines. The medicine's the same. <laughs> so yeah, there you yeah. go. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, hey, Rose, what's up? Yeah. And I'd like to say a special thank you to Rose because I just happened to be texting her some like actual not nonsense humor thing that her and I can uh, appreciate, or I hope you do anyway. And she's like, aren't you supposed to be on right now with Michelle? And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> thank and you, I, Rose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have clued in. Maybe I would have, uh, I'm sure you would have messaged me, but so, yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was kind of on the brink and I'm like, no, we'll be good. We'll be good. I'm I'll just, I'll hang. <laughs> There so, you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it was good. Yeah. Thanks for your patience. And Thunder Chicken was here. That's awesome. What's nice up, Lee? Mm -hmm. Oh, and Michael was here too. Fantastic. Yeah. So I will be sending this out uh, to my larger audience as well. I was going to send a quick email before and uh, I will send it instead. I'll let you guys know that on Friday, I'm hosting Lisa Marie Ruddle again, who is uh, the one that was calling out Daniel Terry, who I knew him as, or, or Daniel Losnick, Angelic Law, that's worth going back to. I will actually will do a, a, a premiere here on YouTube as well, since I was on a strike then. It's on my Rockfin. And so I'm having her on again to talk about a totally different subject that is actually not unrelated because Daniel Terry used his, you know, connection to God, so to speak, as a way to lure people. That's, that's what drew me in right? That he was a, a man of God and the law. And then the, the God part turns out to like total fakery going on there. And so we're going to talk about something called church trauma, which is one of those things that I hope I don't get a strike just for using that word or saying that word. It's so crazy. The medical misinformation is a, the most common strike I've got, but um, it is, it is a thing. It's one of those, you know, many people have gone through it. Many people healed from it to certain degrees, but I've got a client right now specializing in helping people with that kind of, um, you know, church trauma and, and, and other losses in their life. So we're going to do a stream about it because Lisa Marie has a really good story about coming back. You don't always come back from those kinds of injuries. Some people, you know, that's why I consider spiritual abuse to be one of the worst possible crimes. And, uh, and then you get to see how she came back from that and much stronger in the end as well. 
So that's Friday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And uh, and then the 15th on Monday, I'm going to be having Brendan Sterling on again to talk about why the economic crash is a psyop. Okay, Ooh. guys, like, I'm so excited about this. Ever since I learned enough to see through it, I'm like, oh, I feel happy again. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Not planning for doomsday, like oh man, how did they? I, they didn't get me the whole life, but they got me in, in 2020. Thinking about the end, and you know, and revelations became very popular. That's probably not about the end of the world either. That was about the first century AD. Although I'm going to have Clint Richardson on to talk about the Bible and the private, and he says none of that stuff happened. So you know, you got all that divergent opinions going on. So that's just a little bit of a preview of what's coming up. And uh, I think that's it for today. I just got an emergency alert from my phone, apparently, getting us ready for some emergency. See, they're always trying to affirm yeah, that doomsday. Yep. Yeah, there's something wrong, something wrong. Oh, yep. man. Well, who knows? I mean, you know, to your point, and all those shows sound awesome. And I love the the subject of church trauma. That's very interesting. Um, but yeah, this one last thing about that doomsday kind of hope. It's like, it's like, hopium uh that it's going to crash for some reason and then the thing that i find that is really just disheartening about the whole thing with that those sorts of movements um is that there is no accountability whatsoever with these people when these when these events don't happen try and bring it up to somebody that's been promoting it we've done mario and i have done it to, to friends of ours who promote these sorts of things and literally ask them the simple question of oh yeah so that event you said that was going to happen on november 18th that didn't happen have you thought about that oh well they came out and said that the reason why it didn't happen was this and the new date is this and i'm like whoa there's just like no accountability whatsoever it's just like there's this blindness to it and so it's just total distraction it's distraction it's literally distraction from yourself from taking care of your own life taking you know it's taking stock and taking personal responsibility because when you can blame all these other things all these other reasons why you're not paying attention to yourself and and what you're doing and your actions it's really easy to just like say well that's going to happen so i don't have to take care of that <laughs> you know exactly that's the worst part about it you don't it plan. and it was tempting for five minutes it was tempting to do it just put my head between my knees and kiss my ass goodbye right yeah. like that. <laughs> i thought okay we're done i don't have to work anymore i'm just like you know like this and five minutes later i'm like nah, i don't think so it, it, it was like you said we you know used it for the fire that it had it had a lot of fire and it was really easy to to draw off that fire and uh instead of run from fear run for love <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good one. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This has been a, a fantastic conversation. I knew it would be. No doubt I'll be wanting to have you on again. And uh, we were a little bit all over the map because I have a wide variety, wide variety of if, interests in the subjects that you have expertise in. But uh, maybe we can focus down on a few other things down the line. Yeah, sounds great. I had a lovely time talking with you. And yeah, I feel our synergy happening and it's strong. And I'm looking forward to more conversations in the future for sure. So thank you so much for having me on, Beth. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And thanks to everyone who came over from uh, Interverse. That's really great, you guys. Nice to see you. And, uh, and then, so yeah, we'll see you again on Friday. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Have a good day.